Good morning. Anybody just excited to be here this morning? Um, I don't know about you, but like I've been waiting for today. It's been like, man, I just cannot wait to get into the presence of God. And I love you guys, and like I'm glad to see you. But I just want you to know, I didn't come just to see you. Uh, I came to see him, and uh, I, I can see you at the Walmart, but I, I want to see him this morning. So, man, just um, good morning, and um, man, um, just real quick. Uh, a little plug. Next week is this, right? This Christmas Eve gathering. Uh, thank you, three people. Uh, okay, so uh, there's a couple of us going to be here, apparently. Um, if you want to come, you can come meet with the three of us that just were excited about that. Um, man, you don't want to miss this. Can I just say that? Anybody with me? Like, you don't want to miss this. Um, if if you miss this, you're going to go home and cry. Um, I'm just, and I'm going to let you. Um can I just, anybody seen these cards before? Anybody? Let's do a show of hands thing. We'll play, we'll play church. Um, anybody seen these cards before? Um, how many of you have taken them and passed them out to someone? Yeah, I'm calling you out this morning, huh? Um, if you haven't, right, I'm going to ask the same thing next week. Uh, if there's seven people here, I'm going to be like, who, who passed them out? And then it's going to be you, right? Um, man, we got, how many of these do we get? 750, 750 of these, right? And there's a giant stack of them in the back. Um, and um, I, I want you to take some with you today. And, and I, I want you to do something. I want you to, A, pray over them, right? Like, here's the card. I know it sounds weird. Hey, God bless this card. Um, but I want you to pray over it. And I want you to pray, like, two things. One, that God will show you who he'd have you to give it to. And B, that those people would show up, right? That seems not hard, Right? Actually, seems pretty easy. Um, you, you don't have to pray over 750 if you take them all. Um, but just that God would impress upon your heart, like, who would you give this to this season? Who, uh, and you don't have to raise hands for this one, but who, who among us has uh, family members that just they don't know Jesus? I'll be honest, that's a good person to give this to. Who knows everybody at your work goes to church and has a relationship with God? Anybody? Well, if they don't, it's a good person to give that to. Who, who knows, the, the lady you're going to meet at the Walmart later today, I'm just using Walmart, it's in my brain. Um, the lady you're going to meet at the Walmart, if you're too classy for Walmart, Target um, today, <laughs> goes to church somewhere. And if you don't, like, this is a good start. This is not sharing the gospel, okay? So if you're like, man, I'm just evangelizing today, leave that in the bathroom, and I'm going to tuck this one in a coat pocket. Somebody's going to buy it, and they're just going to find Jesus. Um, that's not evangelism, right? But it's better than nothing. So if you go down the road and sling these in all the paper boxes, or you, uh, I'll just be honest, face-to-face is better, uh, or you face-to-face this with some people, um, just do it and pray God will do what God does, right? If none of them show up, have you failed? No, you have not. Right? I know some of you, you're just burnt out on asking people because you ask people and ask people and ask people and none, none of those people come. Quit asking church people. They don't actually like church. Um, ask lost people because um, I'll just be honest, they're looking for something. Right? We're just too scared to say anything. Lost people are looking for something. The church just quit telling what they're looking for. So uh, if you don't have one of these, there's a stack of them back there in the back. Um, my prayer is that they're all gone or God keeps you awake all week. One of those two things. Um, um, 
I'm only halfway kidding. Um, thinking about who you can invite to this thing. Um, it's not about numbers. If seven people show up next week, I'm still going to have a great time and I'm going to worship God. It's not about that. But it is about this real truth, and we're going to get into this in depth next year, this real truth that there are people, right, that are lost and dying around us, and it doesn't seem like we're doing much about it. So next week, um, let's just see what God will do. Let's see what God will do. Uh, it's a little plug, um, and, and I'm going to jump into the message this morning. But if you have your Bible, you can flip open to Matthew chapter 2, and um, we're going to talk about Jesus this morning, if that's okay. Um, we're also going to if it's not, so whatever. Um, you came here. I get to do what I want. Uh, but this morning, we're going to be in Matthew 2, and, and we're going to talk about kind of the birth of Jesus. Uh, the past few weeks, we've been kind of in this series called The Greatest Story, and, and I know that's like a generic-sounding name, and it's because it is a generic-sounding name. I'll be honest, two or three years from now, it'll pop up again, and two or three years from now, it's going to pop up again because it, it's a Christmas series name, right? So it's either going to be like The Greatest Story or The Greatest Gift or Journey to Bethlehem. I'm just rattling off stuff this morning, but, but who cares about that? Um, <laughs> this morning, the, the reality of it is it's not about us sermon title or like a, uh, a little series name, what it's about this morning is, is this truth that God came. Does that sound crazy to anybody? That God, the breather of the stars, isn't that nuts? Like the, the guy who like set this whole thing in motion, you're like, that's not Jesus, that's God. Look at Colossians. Go read, just later today, go read Colossians and then come back and talk to me about if it's not Jesus or not. Um, the active voice of creation, according to Colossians, is, is a guy named Jesus, and it says that he came, he actually left heaven. Isn't that nuts? The guy who breathed out the stars, he left heaven, and he came down here, and he was born as a baby. That's a pretty amazing story just in itself, right? <laughs> if we stopped there, God who made everything stepped down into creation as a baby. That's an amazing story, but it doesn't end there, does it? God came and, and he put on flesh. He took off his robe of light and he put on a robe of flesh and he stepped down into his creation. And it says that he was born in a manger, which is crazy to me. Like, it's a little gross. I'm not going to go into that this morning. Uh, but he was, he was born in a manger in a mess with a family that, that was a mess, a situation that was a, a mess and into literal filth and, 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 and kind of surrounded by maybe moral, what everybody would have thought filth. He was in this place and he lived in in this place in kind of all opposition, a perfect life. Yeah. That's crazy, right? You ain't perfect from this morning till now. 33 and a half years, here was Jesus who was perfect every day, every moment. It's kind of sickening, right? Like you just wish that you could be that. And here's Jesus just living in it for 33 and a half years in all opposition. You think Satan attacks you, just look at what he did with Jesus, right? Like he, he's trying to get this guy. And Jesus is resisting sin, resisting sin because he believed in the promise of God and this in inheritance that was coming was better than this momentary uh, kind of pleasure. So he lived perfectly, and at the end of that life, it says he took the wrath of God for us. It's like physically took someone else's cross, yes, but also spiritually took everybody's cross. That he took the nails that were maybe spiritually meant for us. He took the crown that was spiritually meant for us. He took the stripes that were spiritually meant for us. And you look at that and you're like, man, that had to be an accident. How is that the plan of God? And then you flip back to Isaiah 53 and you're like, no, before Jesus was ever born, God had already told the story about how the Savior was going to come and about how the Savior was going to die. 
They took the Savior down off the cross after he died, by the way, and they placed him in a hole, and they rolled a stone in front of the hole, and then three days later, uh, here come the Savior out of the hole. Man, that's an amazing story. But I think we've heard it so many times, we kind of look at it like any other story. We kind of place it in the realm of fairy tale, and I just want to be honest with you this morning. This is not just based on a true story. This is a true story with eyewitness accounts of people that were actually there. We're not looking at some book 400 years down the road that somebody wrote about something they were told, but, but Matthew here actually walked with Jesus. Matthew was a tax collector named Levi before he met Jesus and Jesus stepped into the scene and not only did he change his job he changed his name because when Jesus comes he changes everything right um, so took Matthew and just Levi and flipped him upside down and here come out Matthew out of that story and then Matthew walked with Jesus like every day for the rest of Jesus's life and then at the end of that one day he sat down and he penned this story of Jesus can you imagine the guy writing these words? Maybe not in Matthew 2, but once we get on into the story, Matthew was there for every one of these moments. And when Matthew writes, there was a guy who was laying there who has never walked before. We knew that guy. And Jesus stepped into the room and he said, get up off your mat and go home. And the guy got up off his mat and, and went home. Matthew saw that. It's not some story from uh, Bill down the road. Like Matthew was there. And when Matthew writes, they took Jesus and they nailed him on a cross, he didn't just hear about that, he experienced that. He watched as his friend was pierced. And when he writes about how Jesus was placed in a tomb and the stone was rolled in front of the door, he witnessed these things. This is not somebody else's word. This is his account of what happened. And when he says three days later, Jesus come up out of that hole, he's saying, I was there, guys. He was dead. They put him in a hole, and now he's alive. And I'm not hearing this from somebody down the road. I was standing there when the Savior came walking toward me. Man, there's some power in that this morning. And you're like, well, what's that have to do with anything? We're talking about the birth. Well, can I just say that Matthew also knew a lady named Mary? And maybe Matthew wasn't there, right? And you don't even know how old Matthew was. Maybe Matthew wasn't even born yet. But Mary was there. And these words aren't Matthew's words necessarily, but they are a lady's words named Mary who would have been there to witness the whole thing. And this morning, we're going to step into Matthew 2 through the, eyes of, through the ears of Matthew and the eyes of Mary. And we're going to see maybe not the birth this morning. Uh, we're going to skip that. Matthew apparently only really cared about one verse of the birth, uh, and that's in like... Uh, 25 when he's like oh by the way um joseph didn't know her intimately until she gave birth to a son that's like the whole epic of jesus's birth right there like reduced nine months into one verse and uh, and he named him jesus hallelujah and then we step into Matthew 2, and it says, after Jesus was born. This is where we're stepping in to the story this morning. And you're like, hey, you skipped Luke 2. Come back next week, and I'll grab Luke 2 for you. I want to kind of protect it for Christmas Eve. I think not preaching Luke 2 on Christmas Eve or Christmas is kind of a whole lot like not preaching about the tomb on Easter. So I'm just going to wait till next week for that. Um, 
in uh, Matthew 2, uh, we see that this is after the birth of Jesus. It doesn't say how long after. It could have been moments after. It could have been hours after. It could have been days after. It could have been months after, uh, probably more like years after. Um, just looking at some timeline later on in the story. But it says this story takes place after Jesus was born. Newsflash. I'm about to mess up the nativity for you. Um, It says, in Bethlehem, which is a small town, um, kind of in this area called Judea, which is in the southern part of Israel. Now, if you were here last week, you're like, ah, nope, something's wrong here, because last week we were in Nazareth of Galilee, right? Nobody remembers. Awesome. Lost you in the first two minutes last week. Um, We were in, I'll just catch you up. We were in Nazareth of Galilee. And Nazareth is a small town, kind of insignificant town in the northern part uh, of Israel. And this is where the angel came and said, hey, you're going to have, you're going to give birth to a son and his name is going to be Jesus. The first part of Matthew actually would have taken place in in that part. And Matthew just doesn't care about giving us those details because he's just jumping to it. He picked the stories he liked the best, I guess. But Uh, We're getting to it here. Uh, But these are two different places, separated by a whole lot of miles, actually. And next week, we'll talk about how they got there, if you haven't been around very long. Uh, But we're now in Bethlehem, a small town in Judea, which is kind of in the southern part of Israel, really close to Jerusalem, by the way, uh, in the days of King Herod. In the days of King Herod, this is King Herod uh, the Great, by the way. If you're a history person, you can Google him later and find out some facts about him. He reigned from about 37 B.C. till about 4 B.C. So we got kind of a time stamp there. And you're like, well, why is that important? Well, it's important for a couple reasons. And one, God wants to remind us right here, this is not a fairy tale. Right? Like God's not trying to be vague about the details in the story. Like, oh yeah, there was some king in some place. Uh, we don't really want you to know where. And we don't want you to know who because we don't want you to get into history. We don't want you to fact check anything. Like God's not afraid for you to fact check anything in the story. You can read Luke and you can read Matthew and you can put those two together. And God's like, you know what? It's still going to make sense. You know how I know that and can have faith in that? The story's been around for, you know, around 2,000 years, and there's been nobody on the planet that's been able to say, here's the discrepancy, here's the thing that's wrong, and it be able to stand. You know why? Because it is fact today. This has happened today. This is real, and God's not afraid for you to look it up. So he says, let me just throw a timestamp in there. 37 B.C. to about 4 B.C., there was a guy named King Herod, and, and he was kind of a, a governor king. He was set up by the Roman Empire to rule over this area of Judea. He was not a Jew. He was a transplant Jew. He was a guy who decided that he was going to be Jewish. His family decided they were going to be Jewish, but not Jewish by birth. But this man apparently knew a whole lot about the culture and the religion of Judaism. I just want you to know this is the guy in the area. So look it up. I'll put a timestamp on it because it's a real story. And he said, in those days in Bethlehem of Judea, while Herod was the king after Jesus was born, wise men came from the east, or wise men from the east arrived, is what it actually says. You're like, we three kings, right? Like anybody already going in your head, just singing that song. Uh, Let me just fill you in on this. These guys are not kings. That's why one of the many reasons why we don't sing that hymn. I love that hymn. It's great. Uh, It's very inaccurate because these guys are not kings. They're actually um, wise men, uh, and, and really not even that. They're these guys called magi or magus. No? Nobody? Okay. Um, <laughs> sweet. It's all me today. Um, they are wise men or magi uh, from the east area, probably Babylon. 
about 675 miles away, actually, from Jerusalem. And these magi, or these magus, were, were, were people that were first mentioned in the book of Daniel. They were uh, kind of fortune tellers who would look at the stars and they would practice black magic. They were sorcerer astronomers who, who would try to predict dreams or to tell the future based on all these things, all these events. And here they are, right? Right here smack dab in the story of the birth of Jesus. And here's, here's red flag number one. Why in the world are these guys in the story of the birth of Jesus? God, did you not have more religious people to throw into the story? Like, did you run out of characters in Jerusalem and you had to get some people for 675 miles away to get on a camel on the express lane and then ride all the way over to Jerusalem and, and, and see Jesus? Like, what's the, what's the deal here? Can you imagine, you're not there with me yet, but can you imagine being a Jewish person reading this? Whoa! They shouldn't even be mentioned in the Bible unless God is about to bring the smackdown through baby Jesus on these guys. Because these guys are sorcerer astronomers who practice black magic and, and divination, which is a weird word, uh, practice all those things to, to tell the future. And in the Bible, over and over and over again, it says you can't be a sorcerer, can't be an astronomer. And it says those people will not make it into the kingdom of heaven. And, and you see that at the, after the birth of Jesus, here these guys are in the story. Came all the way from Babylon. Is that a good place in the Bible? No, it's never a good place in the Bible. But here they are, right here in the middle of the story, the birth of Jesus. That's why I think we put kings on it, because maybe we're more comfortable with that. I can see why kings would ride into the birth of Jesus, but I can't see why sinners would ride into the birth of Jesus. I can't see why people who had no claim to the kingdom of heaven maybe would ride into the birth of Jesus, but here we are. And it says these people arrived from the east unexpectedly in Jerusalem. Here's the reason they're there unexpectedly. They're not welcome there. This is not a normal occurrence. These magicians don't just roll up into Jerusalem every couple weeks hanging out and looking for spices. That's not the thing here. These guys would have been shunned by people in the city. Do you realize Jerusalem is like the, the holy city of God? This is like where the religious epicenter on the planet would be with the temple of God, this massive monument to, to God. Pillars, gold, all those amazing things. Like This is that place, and in that place is a little box, and over that box hovers the presence of God. And here are these guys, these irreligious sinners, immorals, pagans, who followed another religion, by the way. Uh, I can't pronounce the name, but it starts with a Z, Zoroastrus, something. Uh, that's it. The, these guys who are magicians and sorcerers and astronomers who have no claim to the kingdom of God roll up in the city of God, and everybody's like, what are they doing here? Mm-mm, not here. No, 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 I don't, I don't get it. You don't belong here. You are a sinner. This is Jerusalem. You must, have, you must have turned the wrong way. Go back to Babylon. We don't like you here. And they knew that. And they didn't come here because of that. Not a normal occurrence, actually. It says they arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, and they were saying, these are the things they were saying in town square, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They roll up into town carrying this message. Hey, there's been a king born, a king of the Jews. Where are he at? 
I, I want to visit him. I want to see him. I came here 675 miles, by the way, not a, not a close journey on the back of a camel. I came a really long way because I heard that there is a king here. Where is he? You, you can imagine the uproar kind of is starting to generate at the voice of these guys because already what are they doing here? And now they're carrying a message. Oh, there's a new king. No, there's not. Herod is the king. Did Herod have a kid? Do you, do you know if Herod have another kid? Is there another king I, that I don't know about? What's going on, right? No? Okay. Um, <laughs> if somebody rolled up in here today and they were like, hey, did you know there's, there's, a, there's a new president? You'd be like, I have not heard that, right? You'd be jumping on Twitter and you'd be looking on Instagram. You'd be Googling the news, right? And you'd be trying to figure out what's going on. This is kind of the same idea. Hey, who's this new king of the Jews? I didn't know we had a new king. I've not heard this. I have to investigate, right? Like, I need to get a newspaper. I need to figure out what's going on. So this buzz was jumping around. And then, even beyond that, they say this weird thing. For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. What? This king has a star? What kind of king is that, right? And I know you got a star when you became king. I didn't know that that was a thing, but that's amazing. So they show up in Jerusalem, and it's a likely place if you're looking for a king, right? It's where the king lives. It's where the king in Jerusalem has lived for quite some time. There's like a palace there. There's a place for a king. It's the capital. So that's the logical place if you're looking for a king. I'm going to go to the capital, and I'm going to ask around, where is this king? We saw his star. We are here. We want to know. And all this buzz is going around the city. And you can imagine that all this buzz doesn't take long to make it into the palace. And it says in 3, when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When King Herod heard this, it says he was deeply disturbed. You know why? He was very aware there was not a new king. He is the king. He knew I didn't have a kid recently, and unless something's changed and I didn't hear the news, I'm still the king. And it says, at this, he was deeply disturbed because he wanted to hang on to his power. When you're the king, you know what the goal is? To continue to be the king. That's how that works, right? Like, I'm the king. I'm the top of the food chain. I'm the guy. Everything's just kind of handed to me. You don't want somebody else coming in and pushing you down the ladder, doesn't work out well for kings most of the time. So he hears this and is a little freaked out by it. Who's trying to be the new king? I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Herod's not actually even a very nice guy. He does a lot of bad things. In a little bit, we're going to see that um, he does this thing where he tells all the people in Bethlehem they have to kill the babies that are two years and younger. That's Herod. You know why? Because he wants to be king. And he hears this, and it freaks him out, and the city's freaked out, because here are these sinners in the middle of Jerusalem carrying a message that we don't really want to hear. And it says, So he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people. In other words, he got the most religious of the religious together. 
the chief priests, like the top of the food chain priests, like these are the guys, right? They, these are the smartest. These are like the, the Billy Grahams, the heroes of the religious world of the day. Like these are those guys. And then he gets the scribes, which are people that just sit around and write the Bible all day long. That's what they do. That's their job. Uh, Genesis. If you write something enough times, you start to remember it. And he gets these guys together because he's, they know the most about the Bible. And it says he asked them where the Messiah would be born. Does anybody think that's crazy? Where in the story up until now has anybody even mentioned the Messiah? Right? From, from verse 1 of chapter 2 to there, nobody's been saying, oh, it's probably the Messiah. We should go look for him, right? Like here are these sinners that roll up into the middle of town and, and, and they're asking, hey, where's this new king? Hey, where's this new king? Hey, where's this new king? And everybody's like, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about a new king. That sounds really weird. wonder what happened. There's apparently some star. I don't, I don't really get that. I don't know what's going on here. But apparently there's a new king. I, I, did, I was unaware. Um, and then Herod hears about it. And the first thing that pops into his mind is it's got to be him. It's got to be the Messiah. It's got to be, Right? But here are the chief priests and the scribes, the people who are looking, right? The religious people, the people who have been looking for the Messiah for generation after generation after generation after generation, who have heard signs and follow signs. It's supposed to lead the people to follow the signs. Here are these people, and not one of those people said, maybe that's him. So Herod calls everybody together. He's like, hey, where's the Messiah going to be born? You're like, well, that sounds like good news. Thank you guys for coming and telling us that the Messiah was here. We're the people of God, and we didn't get it. But you guys, sinners from far off place, you did get it. So thank you for announcing that for us. And in 5, it says, in Bethlehem of Judea. They left out the verse of, I got to go look this up, right? It's because it ain't there. They, they knew every one of these prophecies. They knew every ounce of this message that, hey, there's a Messiah coming. They knew where he was going to be born, what he was going to do. Uh, they knew the details, right? And it says immediately, oh, yeah, in Bethlehem of Judea, by the way, like six miles down the road. Uh, and they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. They even know the scripture, right? It comes from Micah. And, and it says, and you, Bethlehem, these are words from Micah, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. Into that, they insert the plan of God from the word of God. Hey, where is the Messiah going to be born? Bethlehem, obviously. How do you not know that? Fake Jew. Sorry, that's how my brain works. Um, and then they give him the scripture. I can't believe you didn't know that, Herod. Uh, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people. They know where, and, and they got the scripture to back it up. So you look at the story, and you're like, oh, man, this is about to get real. Everybody's about to go to Bethlehem. We're going to find this Messiah, and we're going to bring him back. We're going to set him as king like Herod's on board. He's, like, looking for him. And now the, the, the priests, they've got it, and they, they know. And you're like, man, everybody's going to do it, and nobody does it. Anybody think that's weird? 
We're in the most religious place on the planet who've been looking for, looking for, right, in quotations, looking for the Messiah for generation after generation. Ever since Genesis 3, they've been looking for this coming Savior, this coming King who would come in and he would set up this eternal kingdom. And now everything is pointing to here he is, here he is, here he is, and nobody walks the six miles down the road to find him. These are the leaders of the religious people, the most religious people on the planet, walk in the room, hey, where's the Messiah going to be born? Just curious. <laughs> heard the same story that Herod would have heard, right? Oh, there's these weird guys out there who were magicians and astronomers, not really sure why they're here, but they came and they said that, that there's a new king and, and this new king has a star. Same story. Herod, not a Jewish man by birth, just by proclamation, right? He is not a moral man, not a good man, not a, not a religious man. Maybe he does the stuff, but obviously no hunger for a relationship with God. He puts it together. So we have magicians who are sinners and pagans from 675 miles away who put the story together. And we have an, an evil king who put the story together. And the religious people just... Whew, right over their head, or here's the even probably more true thing, they don't care. The signs are the same for everybody, right? And nobody goes to look. And it says in 7, Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men. It's already up to no good. And it says, and ask them the exact time the star appeared. Hey, just wondering, when did that star show up? A couple days. I mean, that's a long trip. Could have taken anywhere between three and six months, mileage-wise, to get there. 675 miles. Long distance. How long have you been on the journey? When did that star pop up? When did it get there? Now, estimation would probably be they said something around two years. Brad, how do, you, how do you back that up? Well, if you read a little bit farther, Herod eventually will have every child that's two years and younger in Bethlehem killed. You can look that up. It's a history thing. Again, God doesn't care for you to fact check him. There was a massacre, right, in Bethlehem where Herod had all the babies killed. Why would he have randomly picked two? Just pick a number? Odds are it's because the star could have showed up anywhere from two years or less in, in this moment. I, I don't know how long. We don't get the details of that story. But what we know is Jesus has probably been around longer than a couple minutes. And it says that after he asked, he sent them to Bethlehem. And he said, go and search carefully for the child. Go look everywhere. Look in every house. Look under every rock. Like look everywhere. Go find that kid. And when you find him... Just, why don't you just send me a message? You don't even have to come back here. You're sinners. We don't really want you here. You don't have to come back in the city. You don't have to tell anybody. 
just send me a letter, and um, I I want to go worship him. Report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. And here's Herod. Oh man, that's amazing news. I I'm a king, so I don't, I'm not really just going to go look in Bethlehem. It's a lot of trouble. Secret service and everything. Motorcade, armored camels, that's a big deal. Um, so you guys, you're already here. You've already came 675 miles. What, six more? You go down to Bethlehem. You find the king. You do your thing. And when you're done, just send me a message. Just write me a little letter. Put it in the mail. And then I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to worship him too. This sounds like a great idea, right? Team Herod. It's a good guy. It says in 9, after hearing the king, they went on their way. And then it says this weird thing, and there it was. The star they had seen in the east. That's weird, right? Oh, where did you go? Right? Like, how, do, how do you lose a star when you're an astronomer? Right? I, didn't, I did not know. Uh, you, just, you just went away, and now, now you're back. So one, one of two things had to happen in, the, in this moment. Either one, they were so sure um, that this, this king would be born in Jerusalem. Once they figured out the place, they just went, quit following the star, just went their way. Or two, um, God just parked that star over Jerusalem for a while. And they went in, did the thing, and they left. Either way, I, I want you to hear the significance of this. Whatever happened... God used these guys, these unlikely people, these sinners, these pagans, these sorcerers, these astronomers who had no claim to the kingdom of God to announce the birth of his son to the people of God. Now, I, I want you to hear that. God used sinners to announce the birth of his son. You know who he didn't just have walk out on the porch one day and yell, hey, by the way, the Messiah's here. The high priest. Likely candidate, right? Should have probably been him. Wasn't him. They didn't use the king, right? There's obvious reasons for that, maybe. Um, the, oh, by the way, I'm the king, and I just want you to know, uh, the son is here, the guy we've been waiting on. He didn't even use just some random religious person in the story that we don't know their name that was standing in the marketplace talking, hey, do you know the Messiah's here? Hey, do you know the Messiah's here? Didn't use any of those people. Six miles down the road, didn't use any of those people. He used guys that were 675 miles away who were sinners and pagans and astronomers and sorcerers, people that never should have had a moment in the story of God. He used the very unlikely people to announce the birth of his son. And you know what I think is the craziest about that? How many of you have ever seen a private star? Like you're the only person that can see that. You know, I think maybe, just maybe, somebody's walking in the field one night and be like, oh, I've never seen that before. That's crazy. Yet nobody, right? The most likely people to go and look for the Messiah are the people that don't even make it more than like one verse into the story. 
It says they walk out of the city and they look up and they're like, oh, well, there you've been the whole time, star. And it says it led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. That is nuts. Right? Like, you got to deal with Siri or whatever them other things, Garmin's or whatever, recalculating, recalculating, right? Like, and they just walk out of the city and here's this, like, burning gaseous ball of light and it just the six miles down the road and then it just stops over the house I, I don't know about you but that's not just a normal thing it's not normal yeah, last week we talked about like how God does impossible things like you're looking at that and you're like that I don't believe that I don't see how that can happen well because God breathed the stars he can move them um And said, it led him to the place where the child was. And it says, 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. When they saw the star, not when they walked out of the city, but when they got like six more miles, so now we come like 675 miles plus six, do math. Um, and, and, and they get there. Long journey, crazy journey. They get there. It's been a while. And the star is like parked over this house. This is, they, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Now, I don't know what that looks like, but I know what it doesn't look like. Amen. Hallelujah. We made it. That was scary. I don't clap. Then, oh, thank you, Lord. They were like freaking out. Because they'd found what they had journeyed so long for. What I think is nuts about that is, you know what's not in Bethlehem? A palace. There is not a palace I know of in Bethlehem. There is not one. It's, it's so unlikely Bethlehem, this little bitty city, actually would be the place of the, of the birth of this king. And then it, it says this star comes and it stops over the house and, and they start freaking out, right? House, the little probably box room thing. Not impressive. No big pillars, no flowery things on the house. There's no, like, gold engraving on the house. Like, there's nothing in on, about this house that says, this is the place, this is the place, this is the place. And they get there, and they're looking at this little mud hut, and they're like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. We are finally here. And they are freaking out. This is when they entered the house, uh, also probably a good indicator that they've been in Bethlehem for more than just a couple of days. Uh, and it says, entering the house, they saw the child, it's a kid, with Mary, his mother. And it says, in falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Can you, do you, can you imagine this right now? Like, maybe this would make sense in Jerusalem if they were, like, rolling up into the palace and here's this little gold cradle and there's a little baby in there and you know, like, this is the king. This is the guy we've traveled so far for. This is the one we heard all the stories about. This is the, this is the guy. This is amazing. Maybe then it makes sense, right? 
But in this moment, that's not where they are. They stroll up to a little bitty hole-in-the-wall town called Bethlehem, and they, they come six miles down the road away from, by the way, the most likely place this kid would be born. They go away from that place, and they get to a house, a little hut, and then they, they walk in the door, and they see a kid with his mom. Apparently, they don't believe in knocking. They come on in, and, and, and they see a kid with his mom, and when they see that, the they fall down on their knees and they worship him. A little kid. Can you imagine these, these grown men who've come, you know, from 675 miles plus six, they've come all the way down the road and they just bust in your living room and they fall on their knees and they start worshiping your kid. Any of you have kids? That'd be like a weird thought, right? Like, you don't even do that. Like, we're changing Jesus' diapers at this point in the story, and here are these guys who just come in the room, and they fall down on their knees, and they're worshiping this kid in the most unlikely place. And none of that seems to matter. The most unlikely people in the most unlikely place worshiping this kid. Man, it's not about circumstances, is it? It's not based on how we feel today, is it? You probably don't feel great after 675 miles on the back of a camel. No AC in the Middle East. Probably don't feel great after you roll up to the place that you think is going to be the place, and then you find out it's not the place. And then you're frustrated because you've got to go six more miles down the road on, again, the back of a camel. And then you roll up to a, a little mud hut, and there's a baby in it, and the star is telling you, like, this is the place. And everything in you is saying, there's no way this is the place. But you get in there and you see him. And you're not like, oh, this is underwhelming. I expected a palace. I expected, like, a you should glow or something. You're the Messiah. You just see a kid wearing just whatever they could afford in whatever house they could make. In that moment, without reason, right? Like all your senses are saying, this should not be it, this should not be it. And then without reason, without the, oh man, this makes sense, they just fall on their knees and they worship this kid. And in that moment, you can see, like it's not about circumstances. If we're not worshiping, it's not because like the room that we're in. And it's not because of the songs that we sing. And it's not because, like, the messages we hear. If we're not worshiping, there's someone else at fault. And it's, guess what? Not Jesus. So these pagan sorcerers who never should have been in the story of God over everybody else so far that's been in the story, they go the distance, they make the journey, and they find Jesus. And when they find him, they're not like, oh, this is all. They fall on their knees and they worship this kid. They're overjoyed to be at the mud hut, right? And then they, when they finally see him, they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And they fall on their knees and they worship him. 
And then it says, then they opened their treasures. Not stuff maybe they'd even prepared to give. Just their treasures. They'd be like, I'm opening my wallet. It says they opened their treasures and then they presented him with gifts. Gold. We don't know how much, but gold. You're in a mud hut with a baby. Maybe gold makes sense in the palace, right? But here we are with Jesus and it's like, it doesn't even matter. Frankincense, which is like an incense. And myrrh, which is like an like a oil, an embalming oil. And they bring these gifts to him. You think they planned that 675 miles? What are you going to give him? I'm going to give him gold. Yeah, man, that's great. I'm going to give him gold. Um, that was lunch money. I'm going to give him frankincense. What's the baby going to do with incense, right? Had a, had a reason to be on the journey. I don't think it was, man, when I get here, I'm just going to. Myrrh, what's a baby going to do with anointing oil? But all these gifts have a significance, and, and the, the, these guys didn't even get in on it. What do you bring an earthly king? Gold. What, what do you burn incense before? Deity. What do you bring myrrh to? A burial. Myrrh is used to, to put on the body, to rub the body down so as it decomposes, it won't smell as bad. Frankincense, incense, you burn before God's gold you give to earthly kings. These guys didn't plan these gifts out. God planned these gifts out. He was like, what you got in the bag? This is what we'll give. Make sure you put some gold in there. You're going to need it, but you don't know why. Make sure you put some frankincense in there. You're going to need it. You have no idea why. And by the way, get some myrrh. Uh, just put it in there because here's what's going to happen. Not only are you going to announce the birth of my son to the people of God, you're going to announce the purpose of my son to the world through the gifts that you give. Because Jesus came to be what? A king who is in fact God who would die and be buried and then we didn't get a gift for this but it will rise again, right? That's the whole mission of Jesus, and here we find it in the story of Jesus. Just a few days old, maybe a few weeks old, maybe a few years old, who knows. But here's Jesus as a baby, and God saying, it's not some mystery what he came for. The mission has always been the same. You know what I said in, in, the, in the dream to Joseph? That there is a Savior coming to save his people from their sins. You know what I said to Mary? Name him Jesus. You know why? Because God saves. And you know what I said to the sinners who really had no part of the story, who shouldn't have been in here, but are here, who over all the religious people and all the kings and all the other people, I'm allowing to announce the birth of my son. You know what I'm saying to them? He came to be a king who is in fact God, who will die for the people's sins. It's never been a mystery and it's never been a mistake. Jesus came for one reason and one purpose and that was to save his people. And the second plan was not death and the third plan was not death. Plan A was that Jesus would die on a cross, that he would be crushed so we could not be crushed, so that he would be stripped so we could be healed. That was the plan all the way from Isaiah 53. It wasn't an accident. Jesus came to be one thing. It wasn't a healer. It wasn't a helper. It wasn't a comforter. He came to be a savior. And you look at these people and you're like, God, why would you allow these sinners to be in the story? Because the story is for the sinners. 
I mean, I'm just going to say that again for us today. Why would you allow sinners to be in your story? And he says, because my story was written for sinners. You know who I didn't come for today? I didn't come for some king. That's not the plan. I'm going to come and I'm going to save all the kings. King didn't care. Because the king would rather be king. He's not going to get down off his throne to let Jesus up on his throne. He would rather kill all the babies in Bethlehem, right? So that he wouldn't have to step on, off the throne and let Jesus on the throne. And you can be like, man, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. There's people in this room that won't get off your throne. I want to be the boss of my life. I want to be the ruler. There's no way. And maybe you're not saying it, but you're living it. There's no way I'm going to let Jesus be there. I would rather just Jesus die. There are, there are people that are, are saved, right, that, are, that are, would say that. Oh, yeah, I said the prayer. I'm not going to hell. Jesus died. Thank the Lord. But, I mean, I'm not going to do anything different. I'm the king of me. You be that. So you see what happens. See where you go. The religious people. God wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm coming down. I'm going to save all the religious people. Jesus is for a religion. I don't think he ever had that T-shirt. Jesus didn't come for religious people. Actually, the religious people rejected Jesus in masses. You know why? Because religious people don't think they need a Savior. These people, uh, these high priests and scribes, I don't need Jesus. I'm perfectly content going to the temple and making the sacrifices and learning the stuff and doing the good deeds. I don't need a Savior. I'm good. I'm good. No, you're dead. Because without a Savior, you got nothing. Those are the people that are like, you know what? If we had a healer, that'd be amazing. Hallelujah. It's not what he came for. He does that. It's not why he's here. I want to do my festivals. I want to do my services. I want to make my sacrifices. I want, I want to do all these things. So you do those things. And you live a life that's empty and void of a Savior. Because you're too busy doing your thing to walk the six miles to find him. But God said, you know what? I got a people. I got a people. And it's an unlikely people. It's an unlikely people that will travel a great distance to see something that's worth something. It's, it's a people that are caught up in sin and caught up in some weird religion. It's a people that, that everybody else counted out. It's a people that everybody would say, you can't come into the story of God. That's the people the story of God was written for. Amen. I'm waiting on a church to believe that, just to be honest. The, the people that God sent the Savior for are not necessarily the people who for their whole life have sat in a seat. Now, I'm not saying that we can't know the Savior and find the Savior and we can't be saved. I'm not saying that. I, I grew up in church. I did. I was in church most of my life. I don't remember when I started and I've not quit yet. So I'm just saying, like, I've been here. And I'm not knocking that. I'm not. But sometimes I think we get it in our heads like these religious people that, man, we're good. We said that prayer. We're good. We come and we sit. We're good. We come and we, we put a little money in there sometimes. We are good. And Jesus maybe is just saying, well, you keep on being good. 
But I got a people. And my people, um, they don't look like that. <laughs> they don't look like that. I, I sent my son down into a mess. And family that was a mess. Surrounded by animals that were a mess. Into a situation that was a, a mess. Into a story that was a mess. Surrounded by people that were a mess. Because I got a people and they are actually a mess. My people are jacked up people. <laughs> That's true. I believe God would say that. And I think the reason that we see him inviting these people into his story right here, right? Like Jesus, just a little kid, already sinners surrounding him. It's because God's saying, I let sinners in my story because my story is for sinners. Isn't it amazing that everybody had the same sign? Everybody could have seen that star. Maybe not everybody's an astronomer. Maybe some people get it faster than others. But, I mean, if there's been a star there that you hadn't seen before, eventually you're going to be like, man, where did that come from, right? Even, even if you didn't get that, there's some guys from 675 miles away that look weird and act weird and are weird, and they show up in town, and they're like, hey, there's a new king. That's amazing. I did not see the star, but I hear about this new king. Wonder where he is. Maybe it took him a little longer, but like there's, there's a moment there where there should have been like, a, oh my gosh, the king is here. And if that didn't get it, like, right, like the, the religious people, when, when, when Herod came in, and he's like, hey, where's the Messiah going to be born? Just wondering. Like, do you not think one of those guys should have been like, hey, um, Bethlehem, I'm going to go check it out because everybody's talking about this new king. Maybe that's him. Everybody had the same sign, but not everybody went. Can I just be honest? It's the same today. Everybody has the same sign, right? Like everybody's hearing the same message today. Some people are like, man, I just, I get that. And some people are like, okay, shut up. You know, like it's time to leave, right? Everybody got the same sign. Everybody get the same songs today? Some people are like, oh my gosh, I'm so amazed at you, Jesus. Some people are like, hallelujah. Same songs. Everybody got the same Savior today that's got the Savior. There's only one. If you got another one, then you are not saved, in fact. And some people are like, man, I cannot get over the cross. And some people are like, shut up about the cross. It's the birth. Let's talk about the birth. It's Christmas time. It's inappropriate to talk about the cross. No, it's not. It's never inappropriate to talk about the cross. God came with the cross in mind. The whole story, right? It's all, it's all about that. Genesis 3. You're going to crush that snake's head, but he's going to pierce your heel. He's going to crush your heel. Already, Genesis 3, talking about the cross. It's the same signs today. It's the same story today. It's the same message today. And some respond and some do not. And I can't tell you why. I can't tell you why. But what I can say is, the king's not going to respond today. It's my throne. Right? Like, we're all in this story somewhere. And we're not Jesus, so narrow it down to three. The king's, we're not going to respond today. You know why? Because the kings are not going to get off their throne. 
It's my life, and I'm going to do what I want to with it. And I'll come to church, and I'll sing the songs, and I'll put the money in, and I may even serve. But at the end of the day, Monday through Saturday is me time. So I'm going to do what me wants. To which I'd say, that's dangerous. There are saved people that are still saved, right? Quotation, church word, whatever that means. Following God, that's a thing. I don't know what saved is. There are saved people that are still sitting on the throne today. They are religious people. They're too lazy to do anything about seeing Jesus. Right? I mean, I come to church. I'm never going to crack my Bible open because I don't care. Honesty hurts. Every excuse is, I don't care. You know why? Because there's Bibles on fourth grade reading levels. You don't understand? Get a different Bible. Not going to worship. Why? Afraid somebody's going to see you? Afraid what people think about you? All that excuse boils down to, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know why? Because everybody sees the same thing. Same thing in the story here, right? The Savior's six miles away. It's, a, it's an easy jog for me, but I don't care. And then there are people that know, right? I am jacked up. I am broken. I am hurting. There is no way I should be here. God should not let me in. God should not let me be part of his story. God should not hear me. God should not speak to me. I do not deserve the cross. I do not deserve salvation. I do not deserve death. Because, or I do deserve death. I do not deserve life because I am a sinner. Those are the people that will travel great distances to see God. I want you to hear that because that's key today. Good people, you don't, you don't need a savior. Just keep being good. At the end of that, it's probably going to lead to death. Broken people, we need a savior. Hurting people, we need a savior. Sinners, we definitely need a savior. Those that are afflicted, we, we need a savior. Those that are, that are burdened, we need a savior. Those that are weighed down by guilt and shame, we need a savior. And those people that realize, man, I don't, I don't need a healer today. I don't need a helper today. I don't need a blesser today. I need a savior today. Every, at the core of every problem, I need a savior today. At the core of every hurt, I need a savior today. Maybe I need saved from something different today than death. Maybe I just need saved from me. But at the end of the day, I need a savior. Those people will travel great distances, go through great difficulty, and give greatly. You know why? Because they realize there's no reason I should be in the story. And you know what God will say back to that? It's not, oh man, I didn't realize that you were that bad. Oh man, I didn't, I didn't realize that you were, were, were such, a, such a scumbag. I, I didn't realize that. You know what God will say back to that? That's okay. I let sinners into my story because my story was written for sinners like you and you and you and you. It's all for you. I came for you and with, the, with the cross in mind for you. And when you realize that you're one of those and not one of these, when you realize that you're the far, not the near, that's when I can start working in you. So, so today, like, like where, where do you fall in the story, I guess is what I'm asking. Are, are you the king? Some, some of you heard that and you're like, that's me. 
I'll do it my own way. God said this, and I don't really care. I just try to live for me. And you know that. Are you the king? And then part B to that, are you going to get off your throne today and let somebody else on it? You, you don't deserve a throne. I'll just be honest. You already made a mess. Get off. Let somebody else on. Throne plus religion equals just religion. You can't, everybody said the same prayer, right? Like, make you Lord of my life or take control of my life or I give you my life. Like, we all said that and then nobody does it. It's kind of stupid to even pray it, isn't it? He says, if you're king, get down so I can get up on there. Some of you, like, you're, you're in the religious category where you're like, man, I do all the church stuff, but I'll just be honest, there's no burning desire in me to know and to see Jesus. And it's not that I won't travel a great distance. I won't travel any distance. Right? Like, that, just let's be honest today. It, it doesn't help anybody to not be honest. You're going to be the same next week and the same next week and the same next week and the same next week. And one day you're going to die. And you're either going to, A, find out that you never knew him. Or, B, you're going to be like, man, there was so much to this and I wasted so much time. And either one's dangerous, Right? So is that you today? Like, man, I, I won't travel anywhere to see Jesus. Like, I use the excuse, it's hard. Well, guess what? Following Jesus is hard. Get over it and do something. It's actually not even that hard. Like, being consistent in it, maybe that's hard. Reading, not hard. I have 14 apps on my phone that are reading apps. Instagram, reading app. Twitter, reading app. I don't, I don't have Facebook. Facebook, reading app. You spend hours on that. Get off that and, and just read the Bible. There is no excuse, except for the ones you make, and they're not real. Are you that person? Like, man, I, I come to church and I do the thing, but I don't have any desire in me to, to know God, and I won't do anything to get closer. Or do you realize today, man, I am the sinner. I am the broken. I am the hurting. I am the dead. I am the, these things. And I'm not just talking about lost people. Maybe you've been saying, man, I'm good. I do the things. And today God's saying, no, you're not. No, you're not good. I'm not confused about who I am. I won't tell you, right, because I'm ashamed of who I am. I, there's no way I should be here, and there's no way I should have ever had access to the cross. I, I deserve death. I deserve hell, and I deserve the grave. I deserve shame, and I deserve guilt, and God should step on me and crush me into the ground. But in the moment that I found that reality, he showed me what grace was. And today, maybe he's saying to some of you, let's just try being real for a while. Let's be broken. I can do something with brokenness. Let's hurt, because I can do something with hurt. Let's just be real. Let's pray.